Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 18 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Today I'll be interviewing Sarah Swan of Looking Forward Life Coaching. Sarah Swan is the founder of Looking Forward Life Coaching, a nonprofit that provides person-centered life coaching. Sarah has been teaching for more than 20 years, and her specialty throughout her extensive teaching career has been transitioning students in special education out of high school and into the community. She has also mentored several high school and college-age individuals as they head into adulthood, and she remains part of their lives. Sarah is the guardian of her uncle, who is a person with an intellectual disability, and she helps him make decisions to better the quality of his life. Sarah created Looking Forward Life Coaching because she saw a need for her students that were falling between the cracks. She wanted to help guide individuals as they navigate their lives. Looking Forward Life Coaching changes the stumbling blocks of life into stepping stones towards success. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as they see the day approaching. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Thank you for joining us for this episode, Looking Forward One Step at a Time with Sarah Swan. I have to tell you, I'm a broken record, but I love podcasting and I am so blessed to be doing what I'm doing because one of the many gifts that I've learned in this podcasting journey is that my guests, uh, many of them have become fast friends. And I can honestly say that about today's guest, Sarah Swan. Not only has she become a fast friend, but she's really become like a sister to me. I I love this woman and the work that she's doing and, and the way that she's helping those in the FASD community and those in the um, developmentally disabled community and, and just how she's just got a heart for helping those young adults and teens that just need that guidance and, and that discernment. So Sarah Swan, welcome back to FASD Hope. Thank you, Natalie. Uh, I'm so excited to be back again. And yes, we, we have, even though we've only known each other for a few weeks, it has felt like destiny to just have this incredible uh, friendship. And yes, I feel like you're the sister that uh, never had such a, <laughs> such a blessing again if you'd heard we, we're starting recording now we've been talking for two hours prior to this <laughs> it's so funny we see all of our kids come through it, it it's just it is it's just such an awesome thing such oh. an awesome thing and, and both of our husband's names are john so yeah he yeah, keeps exactly. going are you guys done yet we're like no no we haven't even started <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So update since our last interview, which was a few months ago, Sarah is the founder of Looking Forward Life Coaching. You know, today's topic is a personal one for both of us because it's something that we we're actually, you know, kind of going through with our sons, which is many of us, especially pre-COVID, we mm-hmm. kind of see this transition of you're done with high school or you're done with homeschool and you move on, you, you do something. And for many of our young adults out there, whether they have developmental disabilities, whether they, ha- they have an FASD or whether they just need to do things in their own time, many of them don't take that trajectory right away. So it's up to us as the parents and caregivers to be able to say, okay, how do I scale back a little bit and how can I help my young adult find their gift and, and start that path? Mm 
So, so that's today's subject. Any, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of anything we talk so often. I know we do. We do. And I think, I think your listeners need to know that for sure. I almost talk to her almost every day, you know, which is amazing. I I mean, it all started from the very first, you know, little interview that we did for that first episode. And now I, I talk to Natalie almost every day. I know. But we're we're walking the same path, just yes. in two different uh, places, and and I, like I said to her, there's just this comfort in talking to her. It's like you know, it's like that sweatshirt that you mm-hmm. put on at the end of your day that you're like, oh, yep. that's just that's the comfort. It's like the Mister Rogers sweater that he yes. used to put on, and then yes. then he used to take off his dress shoes and put on his yes. sneakers. That's it. That's it. That's that's that's, exactly that's our friendship. And that's that's our friendship. That is our friendship. And and it's amazing. I'm the sneakers. You're the sweater. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I could believe that. I totally believe that. It is. I love it. Well, I need to be the sweater because I'm in Minnesota. I so know. And, and I need to be the sneakers because I have a five and a half year old. So exactly. Mm-hmm. There we go. I think we're sad. But I a couple. But some exciting things that Sarah and I were talking about. Um, she's appearing on some. She's guesting on some podcasts. Mm-hmm. She's doing. Some some more with the autism community in mm-hmm. her area in Minnesota. So Sarah and I agree that there needs to be this growth of us as advocates in these mm-hmm. new domains, podcasting, other, other platforms. And I'm happy to hear that she's, you know, guesting on some other pods and doing all that wonderful stuff. So let's talk about how both you and I are personally sharing these next mm-hmm. steps with our sons. And, and because I have been getting messages and emails from, from listeners saying, you know, my child is done with high school or my child is done with homeschool, but they don't want to move on. And I don't know what, what to do. It's a big transition. You know, we both know that first of all, before we get into this conversation, how do we, how should we look at this transition? I, for many years have been helping others with those transitions, but now I'm facing it in a completely other way as a mom. My son is, is 18, um, senior year of high school. My daughter is a junior, so she'll be facing it real quick. I have two kids at 17 months apart. So <laughs> it was really fun when they were little. Oh my, <laughs> Lots oh my of goodness. <laughs> um, but it, it's some that it's, it's, it's something that all of us go through you know, it's, it's a rite of passage that everyone goes through. Um, but it looks so different now, so different now that it did gosh, when we were younger or even just two or three years ago. Um, and, and what this generation is facing, it's intense, it's intense and it's, overwhelming and I know as a mom that's one step back and watching this um I hurt for my children I hurt for my children because because they're not getting the same experiences that I hoped and prayed that they would get that I had yeah and I had to I have to let go of that yeah and there's grieving not just everything in general and, and grieving, you know, the change, especially just in the past year, but then there's grieving in that when you have a child that is not taking what would be considered the traditional steps after, after high school or after homeschool or anything, there's a continued sense of grieving, you know, and I was sharing with you earlier, you know, we, we, our son has a friend who's joining the military and will mm-hmm. be leaving. And, and when you have a, a child that learns differently, that, interacts with the world differently, you are surprised with, oh, hey, that's something I I didn't even think about. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So talking about these later teen years, you know, we're, we're not only talking to the parents that have young adults, but even just in the later teens, like your daughter's age, you know, like Mm -hmm. 16, 17, how can we help our older teens and our young adults especially those that have either an FASD or a brain-based diagnosis, how can we help them to learn their skills and their interests and their talents? Not only the ones that we know they have, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like the, the, the ones that they've been focused on, but right. new ones, especially in, in the face of just uncertainty. 
Right, right, exactly. You know, when I started this organization, my my tagline, not not my mission, but just kind of my little tagline was, I'll get your son or daughter out of the basement. We have basements here. So, <laughs> out oh of the goodness. basement because you don't want them playing video games for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's and, hilarious. And I do, I do, but it's totally different right now because yeah. we all have to be in our basements. Yeah. We all have to be in our rooms. We all have to be in our homes. And, and it, it has taken on a completely different approach of thinking outside the box because, yeah. you know, it right now it's, it's a point of complete safety. You know, we need to make sure that they're safe, but yet they're still growing. And that, that's, that's a tough balance. That's a really tough balance. I think probably the number one thing that I would, you know, kind of advise for even, you know, heading into those later teen years or starting to think about what those next steps are is understanding the ways um, that your child learns and it, and being at peace with the fact that it won't necessarily be what you expect and it won't be your way of learning. It may, it may, but there's a good chance it's not. Many times I have found when a, a parent and a child butt heads, it's because they have two different learning approaches. And, and the fact that many times us as parents feel like we're the ones that know how that child learns, but to simply step back and listen to them and see what they have to say and say, I learned this way and this is what works well for me. So not only does it sound like we need to kind of take a step back and observe and, and listen and, and put on our detective hats, but we also need to have that connection. You know, mm-hmm. I think that connection is important in learning about them and learning what they like and what interests them, what their passion. We, we have a, a practitioner that says she uses the term passion project, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I love that I like because that. Like that. yeah, she says that. And she says, everybody should have more than just one, because mm-hmm. especially in times like these, where we need to roll with, you know, the changes and, and figure out having, you know, knowing what you're passionate about, you know, and, and having it be, in different areas that you never even thought about. So that, right. that's great. That's- right. And, and, you know, prior to as many times I say, well, we don't usually work with anybody younger than 16. And the reason why is <laughs> that preteen, that tween age, all they want to do is be a YouTube star. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. or, that really is. And, and I'm not, I'm not, YouTube stars. No, I know there are great people out there on, on YouTube, but that's such a minuscule yeah. chance. And so instead of answering with, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. How about we look at the fact of, okay, so they have an interest in videography. Mm-hmm. Right? They're always taking selfies. They're taking some pictures, whatever it is. They're taking some video. Why not look into video production at a local tech school? You know, take those areas of interest and just encourage those, whatever those are. And also give yourself a little bit of grace because it's going to change 496 times. I don't (laughs) know if. I'm the only one that did it, but my guess is there's a few people out there that A, their major changed in college, or B, their career changed. I mean, come on. I'm hanging mm-hmm. out with one of the coolest women ever, and I know she started as a music therapist. You're and so sweet. Her yeah, and I'm a podcaster. Podcast. <laughs> I never thought I'd be a podcaster. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. it's true and I love how you take that how like someone who wants to be a YouTube star okay well let's take something practical from that I love how you can extract something like videography or photography or or, you know Mm -hmm. that is I love that 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 is a great way to look at what something that you may not think is is going to work but then to to pick out things that could work and could be good Mm -hmm. skills that is a a brilliant example. I love that. So like I said before, I've had several parents of teens and young adults, you know, that have an FASD, just saying that they're concerned that they're, they don't know what their kids just don't know what they want to do with their futures. Again, how can we 
reassure them that it's okay that they don't know what they want right now. You you touched on that, you know, especially with like changing majors and stuff. But I have to admit, you know, it is a scary shift in in a mindset of thinking. It is a, a very scary shift because you have to go from, oh, we have to go down this path to let's just see what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. So how can we reassure them that doing this in their kids' time mm-hmm. is going to be something that's going to be better than doing it in what we think is our time? Well, I think number one, first of all, it's totally normal. <laughs> it's, I can't, I don't like to use that word often because there's just a persona with it, right. but if an 18, 19, 20, 21, 24 year old doesn't know what they want to do, that's normal. <laughs> that really is and it's normal. A, so you bring up a good point. It's not, it's typically developing versus people who learn exactly. different. It's all across. It's, it's not just it with, is. yeah, that's yeah, a great reminder. Yeah, it is. We really are. I mean, really, when you think about the 18 year old mind or the 17 year old mind, yeah. I not. I'm not talking neurotypical. I'm not talking any of that. I'm just talking in general, in general. When I was 18 years old, oh, heck no. I didn't know (laughs) what I was doing. And what's the scariest thought is, um, unfortunately, society says, oh, look, you're an adult. (laughs) You're an adult. Yes. (laughs) You magically turn 18 and you're an adult now. And, and the, our brains aren't developed enough at that age to even be an adult. So, so it's okay. It really is okay. This is, this is, this is regular and and you don't want to put them in that box of expectations. Okay. Yes. So we live in a completely different world. Okay. So when you and I, Natalie, were growing up, it was this expectation that we go to college, mm-hmm. okay? We go to a four-year college, we get a degree because all the stats were telling us if we didn't, we weren't going to be able to be effective in the workforce, right. okay? Right. And it was just a persona that that's the path and that's the only path there is. Um, I'm a huge, huge advocate for trades, for journeymen, for any of those type of areas because, and I've said this time after time again, um, both in my field and in my personal life, not all of us can be doctors. Somebody has to fix our car because mm-hmm. if not, we can't get to the hospital. Right. And, and just the need to have every different elements that there possibly is. And it may feel like they aren't motivated. It may feel like there is no next step, but take that opportunity to ask them. I mean, have you really, really sat down and said, what do you really like to do? And start at a very basic level, very, very basic level. Say, do you like to work outside or do you like to work inside? Do you like to work with one person? Do you like to work with lots of people? Do you like to use your hands or do you like to use your brain? I mean, those little pointed questions, very easy choices between A and B. But all of a sudden, you're going to see a trend that you might not have thought of. You might have thought, oh, my kid is just going to sit inside all day and play on his computer. But then he might say, you know, I really am interested in possibly using my hands for carpentry, like your son. Mm -hmm. Then get him get them started in that type of thing or uh, a young gal that might be really into watching tv shows about fashion get her a sewing machine get her some fabric Mm -hmm. see what happens all of a sudden when you start putting some of those tools in the toolbox it's gonna spur some some new new thoughts and i love how you say instead of open-ended because oftentimes i've found Mm -hmm that if we ask our young adults open-end questions, we get the, I don't know, or the, you know, I don't know. So asking, would do you prefer A or B? I love that. That's a great way to find out interest because you're giving them two choices and they're not overwhelmed. Right. You know, it's not as overwhelming. So that is a wonderful way to, to think about that. And then the second 
you know, just gem that I love that you said <laughs> is that, you know, take what their interests are and just help them again to have it be practical. Like you said, you know, someone who likes fashion and washing, watching fashion, having them, you know, giving them a sewing kit or, you know, it, it's funny because what I'm observing, um, just, just from, you know, not only social media, but just reading and articles and things mm -hmm. like that. And then talking with different guests is that some of the things that were like 50, 75 years ago, really big are starting to come back again, Yes, you know, I because know. things have changed so much. So like an Etsy store, you know, selling mm -hmm. something online or crafting or just doing something, you know, we're like at this age of, it's almost like you have to reinvent yourself, but do it in a way that that's just not what we, like you and I expected going down an academic route or whatever. And again, you and I are not knocking it, but it seems to be that a lot of change that's happened, especially over in the past year, the people who have been able to roll with it are the people who have been able to say, okay, what do I like? Where's the need and how can I make it work? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I totally agree with you. And and it means you're going to have to think outside that box. You're yes. Definitely going to have to think outside the box. I mean, you know, um, our, our parents pushed because society told them to push. Yeah, and exactly. I love the diversity of society nowadays mm -hmm. where, where it's the creativity and the ability to, to define yourself in your own way is so great. We're not a cog in the system anymore, yeah, yeah. which is, which is amazing. And it's, and it's thrilling to see that for yeah. sure. And, and this is something that we can share with our young adults is, is if you think out of the box about something and really think, you know, about how it can fit a need, especially now you can take what you think might be hesitation and, and nurture it and help them. And, and again, I really, really like the way you phrased it on how don't make it open-ended, just, just start sharing things and then kind of keep almost like a tally to yourself so that you can go back and say, okay, so I know that, you know, you like working with your hands, you like working outside, that kind of thing. Um, so how do we go from that on the same note? taking steps, taking those baby steps mm -hmm. from taking, okay, now we're learning about what they like and their interests and everything. Now, how do we start taking baby steps so that it's not so overwhelming, but at the same time, they're starting slowly to go down that road of working towards the future. Right, right, right. Well, we could, we could go a couple of routes. Um, some of it is hopefully when um, the world opens up a bit more and, and we feel to that comfortable, comfortable level that we're safe enough. I strongly believe in volunteering and take it as an opportunity of some job exploration. Okay. So let's say uh, your young adult does really, really well with pets, not as much with humans. Eh, that's totally fine. Totally fine. Okay. Once there's a little bit more flexibility, get them to an animal shelter. You know, ask if there's any volunteer hours that are needed. We've got a couple of uh, uh, groups here that when uh, pets are in a impoverished area, so let's say uh, hurricane ridden or something like that, and they need to be cared for, they'll come in mass amounts and they just need volunteers to sit and like comb them and, and just give them a little bit of love so they feel comfortable. So, so find, find areas that they could possibly volunteer at. Now, again, I know that's really, really difficult right now. So, so we gotta, we gotta think another route sometimes too. And, and that's with a few goal settings. Okay. Um, at looking forward life coaching, we set about four to five, some short-term and some long-term goals. Okay. And so let me, let me give you an example. So let's say your son or daughter wants to become an auto mechanic. Okay. And, and he or she is really, really, really into, you know, old cars and anything with wheels does not matter. Okay. So start with little goals like, Oh, 
hey, how about we get a couple of books from the library or download them or whatever it is so we can learn different kinds of cars, okay? That's a great short-term goal, right? Maybe it is you've got a relative that's a mechanic or works in that type of area. Hey, can, can my daughter come and shadow you for you know, a half a day or something like that. Reach out. I guarantee you the unions and the trade and the journeymen, if you reach out and you say, Hey, can we ask a few questions and just get some information? They are more than willing to share. What is the career path? What do you have to do? What is the time parameters? Okay. And, and so then that makes it a little bit long-term goal. Okay. Now we know this is going to take 18 months to 24 months. That's your certification. Then you have to take a few more classes before you come a journeyman, that kind of stuff. So ask those kind of questions. And so then set those as goals, make them visual. Many, many, many times um, my clients need that visual, visual reminder. Now you also have to have a little bit of peace that they're going to change their mind. And that's totally okay. You can't live, you can't set those expectations so high that you're like, this is it. This is the only path they're going to go. This is what they're going to do. Give yourself a little bit of grace. Give them a little bit of grace. If you've done those four little steps and they're like, I cannot stand the smell of gasoline. I can't do this. Hey, you found that out without putting in too much time and not a lot of money. And that's, that's for sure. A plus. That's great. That's great. And I'm going to write down those steps so that our, our audience members can see that to have that visual reminder. And, and it's true when you talk to, I know with our experience, when we were looking for carpentry teachers, basically apprenticeships and, mm-hmm. and, you know, Nick, didn't really get paid or he, maybe he got paid a little bit. Mm -hmm. They were just excited to have him on board, you know, Mm -hmm. especially because I think many people in trades, you know, hopefully there's more of a revival in trades and skilled trades and things like that. But yeah, most of the people we found were very encouraging of, oh yeah, he can come shadow for the day or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. great advice. You know, my son, um, he finally said to me the other day, you know, he was, he was said, it's going to be a soccer star, going to be a soccer star, which there's good possibility. He's being recruited pretty effectively. Um, and, and there are thoughts that he might be, but he said to me the other day, he goes, mom, I, I, I look at a house, I look at a room and I see things different. I see how you could possibly change a few pieces of it in a different way. And all of a sudden it's gonna be more efficiently used or whatever it is. And he's always been a very spatial person. He always looks at the space. The space is, is, is very important to him. And he says, maybe, maybe I need to work with my hands instead of using my brain for academics. And I said, that's completely fine. He is very much a tactile visual learner that needs to see it. I mean, he has a, he always has gym classes because he needs to have that body go, that body go. And, and I love the fact that he has multiple options and, and that, that warms my heart as a mom, that he isn't so set that this is going to be the only way. And then if it doesn't happen, like for instance, for him, he's thinking very professional sports. If it doesn't happen, because we know that there's a good possibility, even if he's like the best soccer player ever, there's injuries that are career ending. He's got something that he can say, okay, I have that other plan and I really enjoy it. It isn't a disappointment to me. It's going to be something that I'm going to take pride in. Yeah. And and we've also learned personally that having the backup plan sometimes becomes the first plan, you know, or, 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 you know, parallel working together side by side because, you know, situations change, you know, the world changes and, and Mm -hmm. you may not be able to have, be, be, have access to what you originally were were planning. So having a backup plan, I think is equally important too. So helping them identify multiple sources of things they like, following those four steps, and then not only having a plan, but having a backup plan too. That's Mm -hmm. wonderful, wonderful Mm -hmm. advice. So again, we're, and we're talking about COVID-19. We're still Mm -hmm. a year later. We're still, you know, going through it. We're still, the world is still changing. Let's talk about how COVID has changed the traditional paths of college 
a lot of people are, are rethinking it or, or maybe just wondering about it. How do we emphasize the positives mm-hmm. of thinking out of the box for our kids? Because I think sometimes that when we think of plan B or plan C, they're thought of as less than instead of just a different path. Mm-hmm. How, how can we, especially in light of trying to navigate in, in, you know, through COVID, how can we make this a positive experience of, of shifting from, okay, mm-hmm. not going to college, not going to traditional academia to we're going to try something new. It's really tough right now. It's, it, it's so life sucking. I don't even want to say that. That's the bad rate. Energy draining. Energy, energy draining. Thank yeah. You, thank you, <laughs> energy draining. Sister. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. It's energy draining. Yeah. Um, the fact that young people right now have these expectations that they're going to go to college and, and you would ever giggling about this before that how, before we got started, how, yes, college is to get an education, but oh my goodness, the experiences. Mm-hmm are worth more than sometimes the education. Yeah. That fact that you're on your own, you set your own bedtime, mm-hmm. you decide whether or not you're going to shower or if it was like me, if it was an early morning class, hair up in a bun, <laughs> That's right. all in a day, I at least got out of my pajamas, okay? That's right. <laughs> I love it. But now- Yeah, it's different. Are facing it, it's completely different. And I said this to you earlier and I, I hate to even coin this phrase, but it's almost a prison setting. Yeah, thank um, you. My son has, you know, friends that are your son's age that have kind of taken that step and go into an academic uh, setting and they literally are in their dorm room. And I don't know about your dorm room, but mine was itty bitty. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, really small. The only other person they ever see is either their roommate or not their roommate at all. And their meals get delivered to their door. (sighs) I'm sorry. That seems like prison to me. Yeah, it does. It does. And that just breaks my heart. It yeah, because that's my heart. not the college experience that we we had. It's not. It's yeah. not. And and so then you're facing, they're facing, but we're also facing, yeah, that continuous that continuization of remaining at home. Yeah. And yeah. and I'm not saying that that that's bad, but you do need to give them the wings to fly. Right. right. And and you know, think about possibly a gap year, you know, mm-hmm. my son thought about that at first. That's saying, a really good point. You know, he's like, I, I kind of want to see if, if the world's a little different once we get over this. Yes. That's, it's, it's going to yeah. look completely different. Things are going to be very, very different right now. Uh, many schools are waiving the ACTs and SATs because I mean, no one can take them. My daughter's been signed up since June and there's no, there's no testing sites because you have to test in person. in person. So they have to waive that. Wow. Um, so think about gap year when, when my son was uh, this fall was thinking, well, you know, if the world is still where it's at and I don't have that opportunity, maybe I'll take a gap year. I will do some severe trainings and really, really get fit and try out for our local um, professional soccer. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's a year of exploration. That's a great, that's a great way to phrase that. That oh, is a great way to phrase that. Yeah. Why not brainstorm five or six different occupations or yeah. career choices and really research it, you know, pick one a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this month I'm going to learn about plumbing. Great. Next, next month I'm going to learn about coding. Great. What, you know, and, and do that research, that information. Oh gosh, we have so much information at our yeah. fingertips. Mm-hmm. Take that year, really, really dig deep. And then when you face it next fall, say, okay, I know for sure this is what I want to do. And this is the path I want to do. And then think of other options. I have to, I have to be really honest with your listeners and, and say that this is one of my personal missions and I'm really, really not trying to burn bridges by any means, but what I have found in all my years that I have worked in education is the transitional setting. So the 18 to 21 year old setting is not created for, for students with FASD. I I mean, I'm going to be, I agree. I, I agree. I mean, there's, 
there's a couple elements that are great. Yes, they might learn some, you know, basic life skills, which is good. Yeah. But I think they've already good, got a good handle of this. Mm-hmm. Many of the people that I work with, they're, they're street smart. They're, they're able to go and function. That's the beauty of an invisible disability mm-hmm. is they are able to interact and be part of it. And unfortunately, many times they get placed in these transitional yeah. programs and their self-esteem plummets. Yes. Like so so deeply i cannot tell you how many clients i've had to lift back up and say you know you are worth something you are going to do something great in your life because they feel like they have failed and and i'm not trying to knock it like i'm saying it has a great place for the right person right my dream is to eventually have a transitional program that is more geared towards young people with FASD, Mm -hmm. giving more of that true executive functioning skills so they can function on their own and pair it up with a community college or whatever it might be. And so then they aren't feel, feel like they're just being babysat. I can't tell you how many times I've had clients that have said, I just feel like I'm being babysat because there's no other place to put me. Yeah. Again, I'm not trying to burn bridges by any means, but I feel like this is a huge piece that is missing in, um, in our nation. Yeah. And it's, it's, we know that people with FASD are underserved. We know that. But this is one that really, really, really uh, keeps me up at night and really tugs on the heartstrings. And I think that missing piece attributes to a lot of the secondary characteristics we see, especially not, especially in the teens, but then especially in those 18 to 21, early 20 years, because like you said, you know, it's a systemic problem. Mm -hmm. There's not programs in place, like you said, that can evaluate, you know, interests and vocational skills and start doing it. It's, it's almost like, like a shadowing or, or a mentoring type of thing. Mm-hmm. No, you know, it, I, we had to do it on our own because otherwise we've heard from other friends who had their children in either public school, private school, whatever. And there was either nothing in place or there were things in place like, oh, well, they can be, you know, they can bag groceries at a local grocery mm-hmm. store. They can do this and that. All the things that we know for many of our kids by doing that, it like you, exactly, you, you hit it right on the head. Mm-hmm. That's going to like make their self-esteem lower because that's what they think society thinks of them, you right. know, right. and, and it's up to us as the parents. And I've said this before, but you know, this is a, this is a challenge that we need to stand up to. We need to, to face is mm-hmm. that we need to, to make these paths, we need to create these opportunities that are not there, you know? Mm -hmm. And now I I feel so optimistic talking with you because now is the time. I mean, in this horrible year that, you know, just has turned our world upside down, what you just said about a gap year, that just makes perfect sense. If, If you're concerned about your child being out and, you know, being in, in public and just, you know, especially just with everything going on, take this time to just, I love that. Take, take a month and just say, okay, you want to learn about this? We're going to learn about this and mm-hmm. have it almost be like a gap year of learning that's in between, you know, they're done with high school, they're done with homeschool and in between, okay, where's the next step. And right. it's almost like, because if you think about, especially teens and young adults that have an FASD, their processing is slower. It, it, just like with other, you know, developmental disabilities, just like with autism or any other brain-based diagnosis. So their processing is slower. So they may just still, I know for us, you know, sometimes our son is just still processing the fact that he is done with homeschool. So taking that year of saying, okay, this is a transition year. This is a year that we're just going to use to explore. That is a, a wonderful idea. And I think if parents can embrace that, then that will help down the road. I I love that. A couple other little nuggets of things that I have learned. We work a lot with collegiate age 
I'm not saying that they necessarily are in college, but a couple other nuggets that I do definitely want to pass along to your listeners are be aware as a parent that the instant your child steps foot in a post-secondary educational setting, whether it be a technical school, a trade, or your traditional college university, you have no say. Even if you have guardianship, you, you by law, by law, they have to talk only to your child, not you. Wow. It, I it, did not know that. Yeah. It's a law. It's wow. A law. Even, even with guardianship, even with guardianship, um, they have to first talk to the student. So I want you to keep that in mind yes. when, when that does happen. A big thing that I, we do at Looking Forward Life Coaching is we provide those advocacies in the collegiate post-secondary settings because the colleges will not talk to the parents. The trade schools will not talk to the parents. They will talk to a professional that comes in and has a signed release of information that says, I can talk on this person's behalf. Another huge tip, every school, public school, public school, post-secondary school, as in tech schools, community colleges, universities, uh, have to provide disability services. There has to be an office of disability services. They don't seek out your student. This is not high school anymore. They don't seek out your student. Your student has to seek them out. They could provide all sorts of, of accommodations, which is excellent. You don't fall on an IEP anymore. It looks a little different, but um, they can still communicate with the disability services can communicate with the professors and say, you know, this student needs to have a quiet setting to take their exam. This student needs time and a half to take their exam. This student needs an auditory textbook. This student needs, and there's a lot of, a lot of great services, but they're not going to seek that out the student has to really, really become the advocate. And that I think is the biggest black hole that happens. Yeah. Many times they'll fail out of school because they don't have that advocacy in place prior to going. And all of a sudden that student is so frustrated because they're lost in the shuffle yeah. so quickly. And that requires executive functioning to be able to be your own advocate. So again, taking that year of teaching them, incorporating that into that is a way to help, you know, whether they are going to go down that path or not. This is mind blowing. I did not know that information. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And, and most people, most people don't as a parent, <laughs> at least the biggest challenge that I've had. In fact, I even faced it today at the orthodontist is, and Jonas, Jonas is my son. He even said to me, he's like, mom, when we go in, don't say anything. This is now my job. I have to say things. And it's so hard because I love wow. to talk. The, the orthodontist that comes, hey, how you doing, Sarah? And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're just like biting your hand. Trying. She's looking at me like, <laughs> are you okay? Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I had to give him that opportunity. Yeah. I yeah. had to get for him to say to me, mom, I need I need to do this. And, you know, he wow. pulls his little dental card, you know, his, his dental insurance card and, you know, and, okay, I'll make that appointment. And yes, I'll do that. So wow. he, he's, so if you're a young person, start showing some of those signs of wanting to advocate and wanting to do it. Not the mom, you're so embarrassing, but that <laughs> might be a little clue there too. Mm-hmm. Give them that opportunity, let them do it. Let them advocate. I could tell you right now, all the moms right now are going, no, 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 I can't. I know. I know. That's how I was today, sitting on my hands, thinking to myself, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. I can't say anything. (laughs) But we have to give them the opportunity to fall. Because if they can't fall, they can never get back up. And that is so tough to do. It is. And again, it's, it's change on our part. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's change on our part. We, we can't change. We can't change our children. We, we can support them. We can accommodate them Mm -hmm. and we can give them tools, Mm -hmm. but you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be, especially when after, you know, 18 and on, it's going Mm -hmm. to be their decision. Mm 
-hmm. So the important thing is, again, I, I just keep thinking of this, you know, taking advantage of this time to use, to help with those tools. So how great is that, that he was able to step and say, okay, mom, I'm, I've, I've got this. I want to do this. And mm-hmm. you let him do that. And he did mm-hmm. do it. That mm-hmm. that's amazing. And I love that because even though that's not directly related to FASD, it's a part of executive oh. functioning and it's a yeah. part of being able to recognize, oh, hey, you know what? I need to do this for myself. So it came to him, you know, it may come to your young adult at a different age, you know, but the Mm -hmm. important thing is that you were able to recognize it and let that happen. So Mm -hmm. I I love that. I love Mm -hmm. that. Wow. That's probably why I spent so much time talking to you tonight because I couldn't talk to him. I know you were totally venting. Oh my goodness. I know. You get home and you just like let it explode. Oh, I love that. I had to be quiet the whole time. (laughs) And you and I, I think that's one of the reasons why we're such good friends is that we we both love to chat. Oh my goodness. I, I just, I love it. I love it. Yes. Oh, my friend. So, so this, you know, this really just leaves me on a very optimistic note about thinking about young adults that are ages 18 to 21 um, mm-hmm. that have either an FASD or a, another brain-based diagnosis. Reframing, which is big, you know, we hear that a lot in our community, reframing and just using this time to let those transitions process because we know Mm -hmm. they take longer to process. And again, using that time to explore skills and not do it in an open-ended way, but doing it in a more way that they can, it's more tangible for them and more tangible for you. Mm -hmm. So I love it. I love it. I'm writing down all of these notes and and (laughs) we will be sharing them. And as always, I'm going to share your information and your social Mm. media handles and and your website information in our program notes. Um, And you know that you're going to be back on here again, you know, (laughs) probably sometime in the summer or fall, you know, it's just, I'm sorry, folks. It's my podcast. I can do that. I did not just say that. I can't believe I just said that. Oh my goodness. You have every right and you're rocking it out, girl. So you could for sure do that. Oh my Um, goodness. I did want to make a couple quick notes just so you could let your listeners know too. Um, I can send you some links to some really simple career inventories. Nice. Um, I was just going to ask, are there any inventories that, you know, parents can use? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's several. I mean, I even have one that I wrote up myself. And it is something that, that we can offer to do that that's, you know, if I told you this earlier, we say like 99% of the time what the parents say, and it's like, it's like, oh, well, that makes total sense. Yes, I should. I should definitely do that. (laughs) Cause it's somebody besides your parents saying it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and another thing that, that we do that we have found very, very helpful for our collegiate age, you know, and, and I have to say, I have worked with young people on the spectrum, on the FASD spectrum that have gone to college for rocket scientry, not kidding, going to be a rocket scientist, wow. Wow. business, human services, you know, they're getting their four-year degree. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we have to just only look at trades simply right. because that's where they're at. You got to look at the whole picture and whatever they truly want. That reinforces oh, yeah. like what we keep talking about is FASD is a spectrum disorder. A spectrum. It affects everybody differently. It does. It definitely does. One thing that we do as an organization and that has been very, very effective is again, we can advocate for the collegiate student, which is, which is great. But then we reach out to all their professors and say, we need a syllabi. We take all of those syllabi, we combine them together and we do a color-coded matrix. So they know exactly when each assignment is due in which class. And then we put in blocks of time that they should be studying for each one of those. That is which wonderful. Which is huge because I don't know, you know, when I got all my syllabi, I'd be like, "Uh, Mm -hmm. okay, I think I got to do this class, but then I think I have to do that class, that organizational skills. We know that that's an area that we're not the best at and that time management stuff. So taking all of that together and putting into a color coded matrix, all of a sudden just really encourages, um, 
some great study habits, which has led some of our uh, some of our clients to college degrees. I'm not saying that's, that's the only wonderful. way they did it. They did the work, um, but to have that organizational skills instead of you know hitting their first year and being a dropout, which has a high percentage of happening, yes. especially in the areas of disabilities, mm-hmm. th- this brings that percentage down. And so. you're accommodating. You're providing that accommodation. Mm-hmm. That's that's a mm-hmm. wonderful thing. That's a mm-hmm. wonderful thing. Yes, please give us those links so that sure. we can share that. And we're sharing this episode in, um, you know, in March because we know that this is a time when people are making decisions about the fall. Mm-hmm. The kids that are young adults, older teens, young adults, they're making those decisions. So we're we're strategically releasing this so that you can hear this. And you know, if there's even a question in your mind about that, you can reach out to Sarah. You you can listen to what we said, you know, follow this advice. And again, from both Sarah, from a professional experience, and then her and I, from personal (laughs) experiences as moms, it is okay. If they don't do the future right away, you know, let them transition into that for the past, however many years, 18, 19 years, they've been focusing on school, 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 school. Now it's almost like it, like, I love it. I'm going to keep using that word, that gap year. That's such a great thought to embrace in, in thinking about their futures. So final hope takeaway, you know, I like to end on, on takeaways mm-hmm. of hope, um, especially for these, these parents and caregivers who are listening and, and educators who are listening, who are, you know, mm-hmm. wondering about yes. what's going on next. What words of hope can you give to them when we're thinking about easing into the future path? Mm. There's hope with support and guidance. If you walk beside them, your child will become a productive member of society. Sarah's one. You're coming back. You're coming back. You know you are. I love it. And and again, for those folks, just be thankful you didn't hear the two plus hours of us conversing before the episode. I know, but it's it's so cute. You guys, if you ever had a chance, oh, (laughs) we bring out our kids. They all talk. I love it. It is. This is, I call her my sister because she is. She is my sister, but yeah. So blessed. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. So we will be catching you next time. Thank you for joining Sarah and I. Take care and remember to have faith in your journey. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week. And remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.